What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode three of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where I'll sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you. We are all trying to figure out how to be the best leaders we can be so we can be the leaders that God created us to be. You know, I've always wondered what it would be like to sit down with some of these great leaders that we watch from afar. So rather than me just sitting down with them, we decided to pull you up a chair so we can ask the questions we've always wanted to know so we can be the leaders we're created to be. Today, I get the privilege of interviewing Shannon Bream. Shannon was born in Florida, moved north to Lynchburg to attend Liberty University for college. She graduated from Liberty in 1993 and went on to attend the Florida State University College of Law. She began her career as a lawyer in Tampa, but made a career change to pursue television news in 2001. Since her change, Bream has risen in the television ranks, joined the Fox News Channel 2007, and Shannon's gained notoriety for becoming the first female keynote speaker at Liberty University for their 2013 graduation. She's also one of the handful of women to compete in two national pageants in different states as the winner of Miss Virginia 1990, Miss Florida 1994. On top of all her responsibilities at Fox News as a correspondent anchor in the America's Newsroom with Bill Hemmer, she also has her own podcast called Live in the Bream. Shannon's married to one of my former Liberty Baseball teammates, Sheldon. I remember when they first started dating in college, and now they have built a great life and career together. Now, why don't you pull up a chair and listen in to my time with Shannon? Well, it is my honor to have Shannon Bream, a former LU friend and uh, old acquaintance from Liberty Days, on Lunch with a Leader podcast. Shannon, thanks so much for taking time to be with us. Oh, it is my honor to be with you and to catch up. It is so good. Now, you have had a lot of firsts. You've done, you've done a lot of firsts. I remember a few years ago, you were the first ever commencement speaker, female commencement speaker at Liberty University. I know you're one of the few that's won titles in Miss Virginia, Miss Florida, has that always been a part of you to sort of be a groundbreaker and to try to try to want to do things that others have never done before? You know all my secrets, Mike. You've done your research. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what? It's so funny because uh, my husband, Sheldon, who you're very good friends with as well over the years, uh, he, my parents were visiting in town over the weekend here in New York, and he asked him, he said, did she come out of the womb this way? I mean, did she always kind of want to do new things and forge new territory and, and was always kind of learning and scraping and that kind of thing. And my mom said she really was. She was just one of those kids that got easily bored and we were always looking for something to keep her busy so she'd stay out of trouble. So, um, you know what? My parents really instilled a lot. They believed in me. They really emphasized uh, in our home the number one thing was our faith, uh, but also education and working really hard and not hot dogging it. Uh, and so my parents really kind of gave me the belief that I could do just about anything if I was willing to work hard enough. And 
uh, trust the Lord and his plans sometimes are a lot better than what we have planned anyway. But I've had some adventures along the way. You have. And, and so did you, I know you got in law first. Did you, when mm -hmm. you were growing up, did you know what you wanted to do, Shannon? Or was it something that just sort of evolved through the years? I think it really did change over the years. I mean, I've always loved politics and I think I saw law school as a way to sort of connect to that into different parts of the field. And I thought it would be a good basis for uh, maybe working on Capitol Hill or doing something else. I wasn't exactly sure where I was going with it. Uh, I started out Liberty uh, as an accounting major, which my parents Were sort of looked at me really? like, really? That's what you're gonna do? And then when I spent my Thanksgiving break looking for three cents that was missing on a spreadsheet and never found it, and I spent like three days looking for it, I thought, mm, this is probably not what I want to do with the rest of my life. My parents said, there's no way you're going to sit around crunching numbers. Um, that's not your gift. So uh, yeah, I changed my major three or four times, ended up as a business major, and then went on to law school. And yeah, I think the law politics connection is something I always thought I'd do in some form or fashion, but never imagined I'd end up doing it the way I'm doing it now. I did practice law for a few years before I got into broadcasting and news. And uh, I'm grateful for that foundation. Um, but I really enjoy covering the process more than I did probably being a litigator myself. It, are there things they have in common, Shannon? Things that you go, you know, now having done both for an extended period of time, what are things those two, two areas have in common? Absolutely. I think one of the most important ones is research because that was the thing that I really dug into and spent three years doing in law school. It was all about researching and fighting, uh, supporting arguments, looking at arguments on both sides. And I think that's so much of what we do in the news business too, is digging around with sources and trying to get to truth and facts and separating that from fiction and misinformation. I think in this day and age, it's even more important than ever to be able to do that. And so there is definitely a crossover, I think, in the, in the skill set that involves researching and digging and, and uh, you know, sometimes being skeptical of the first explanation that you get for any particular story. Uh, and really wanting to talk to people who are on opposite sides of the issue and hearing them out. I think there's no benefit to hearing only one side of the story, whether you're in a courtroom or in a newsroom. So for me, um, digging around and, and realizing that there are valid arguments on all sides, and in most cases, I think um, it's worth looking at. And, and I've definitely been able to use that in, in two very different jobs. You know, you graduate Liberty, you, you get the, the Liberty indoctrination, which we, we got the Liberty <laughs> way for a couple of years. Was it hard, Shannon, to go out of that and to blend into society, balancing our faith and what you believe into those two different worlds that you walked into? How was that process for you? You know, it was a real shock to my system when I left Liberty because I grew up in a house with my mom was a Christian school teacher. Uh, they don't do it for the money. You know, it's, yep. it is a ministry and a mission. And so I had been brought up in church and school, K through 12, in a Christian school environment that went to Liberty, which was amazing. Yep. You'll never convince me that there's anywhere else I should have gone to college. I loved it there and still very supportive of the school and of our uh, extended family and kids who continue to go there. Not our kids, but nieces and nephews and other people who are there. Um, and, but I got to tell you, doing K through 12 and then four years at Liberty and then leaving and going into a secular environment for law school where I went to Florida State. I grew up in Tallahassee, so I went home to go to law school. And overnight, I realized it's a very different world out there. People have very different values. They're all across the spectrum. And, and some of my um, fellow students, I was, listen, studying all night, sleeping hardly ever, really just trying to stay 
uh, keep my head above water. And I couldn't understand how any of my <laughs> fellow students had time to party or do anything else. It just was a, a shock to the system. And, and clearly a lot of the things that I believe in and, and held as important things in my life, um, they didn't share the same values. And so I think it's really good to be exposed to that when you have deep, firm roots of your own, because you can have conversations with people. And, um, it, you know, I think it's always important to see where they're coming from, understand where they're coming from, but you don't move off of your core principles or your deeply held religious beliefs. Um, those things that are not uh, movable, that there are absolutes. I think it's great to be able to have those tucked way down in your heart, but then have conversations with people, see where they're coming from, uh, and really see different parts of the world. But yeah, definite shock to the system to be uh, to jump into uh, a whole different world for the law school process. So how do you, to you, how do you manage spiritual leadership? So in what you do as a reporter, and I know you've just, you guys are on the move all the time going to different places. What does leadership look like to you? What, how, do, how do you lead in the field that you're in, Shannon? I think that you got to remember you're working with different people every day, different um, crews and different, whether you're interviewing members of Congress with their staff. I mean, there's so many people that you come across and they see you in tough moments and when you're exhausted. And like last year, we're on the campaign trail. Everybody who works at Fox was exhausted in every network because it really is a year and a half of chasing these stories and twists and turns and working conventions and debates and primaries. And it's an exhausting process. And I think that um, to stay grounded in your faith and to find your, your strength there is very important because People see you in very real moments when you are exhausted and when things have gone wrong and equipment breaks down and you miss a live shot. And um, I think living out our faith is, you know, most of us aren't pastors and we're not in a pulpit uh, or have people looking at us in a certain way, but they do see our lives. And in this job, you spend a lot of quality time with people, sometimes more than you do your own family. And so I think it's important to be consistent and to be very considerate of other people, to be compassionate, to you know, as our commandment is to love others as yourself. And I think when you keep it together under pressure and you're looking out for the people around you, I think in a lot of ways that ministers to them in a way that maybe um, they wouldn't go to church and hear a sermon, but they know there's something about your life that they want to understand better uh, and that you genuinely care about them as a person. Who's modeled that for you? Who have you been able to see in the industry you're in and you say, you know what, that's who I want to be. Has there been anybody out in front of you you've sort of modeled after? You know what, Britt Hume has been a fantastic um, example to me in many ways. Uh, I tell the story sometimes, and I've talked with him on my podcast about the fact that he is, one of the things I picked up from him is that he always has a Bible open on his desk. And when he reads in the morning, he keeps it open where it was. And he said, you know, for so many different reasons, it's great to have that there. I think it sends a message to people about where you're coming from. It's a great reminder to keep you humble, to keep you away from temptation. Um, so I think that being very open about your faith gives you some accountability because people, regardless of whether they're an atheist or they share a faith or they don't have a faith or what they think of faith, if they think of it as a negative or a positive, if they know that's the kind of person that you are and you're, and you're, um, you know, providing them with a look into that, you, it, it does give you some level of, of accountability because you want to make sure that they know, um, you know, for a lot of people, they'll come to my office in, in time of crisis and say, I know you're one of those people who prays. And so if that's all that they understand, um, great, I'll meet them right there where they are with, uh, you know, no judgment or obligation, but just to be able to pray with them in a crisis or for their family. Um, so I think that I've seen Britt do that for people, and he's been very open about his faith 
Um, and, and I admire that. You know, it's funny. I was listening to your podcast, which is excellent, by the way. And I want to get you to tell <laughs> about it in a few minutes. But I was listening to your interview with Britt, and I could tell he knew that. But yet when you shared that with him, he sounded overwhelmed by it. Like, wow, I didn't realize it had made that much of a difference. Did that surprise you a little bit that even though he knew that, that, that he didn't know the depth that that had gone to for you? Yeah, he maybe he hadn't because um, I don't think he does it for a show or for anybody else's benefit, but simply to be um, a, a true Christian in every step of, of his day and of his life, you know, that having the Bible on his desk and being open to people to talk about faith and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that he knew how much it meant to me, so I'm glad he knows now. That's awesome. What's been the toughest thing you've ever had to walk through? So you graduate Liberty, you go to law school, you get out, you become a lawyer, you're breaking into the news industry, and all the while you're balancing life, marriage, stuff, trying to get ahead. What's been the, what's been the toughest thing you've had to walk through mm. as a leader? I've, I think all of those things, all of us could say that we've had some professional crisis or trials in your marriage or, or any number of things. Um, and I've talked about some of those things publicly. I mean, for me, really toughest thing personally um, was several years ago, I developed uh, an eye condition that it took me almost two years to get properly diagnosed with it. And it's a, a genetic condition um, that there is no cure for. And it essentially involves my corneas don't function properly in that the cells don't root back into the eyeball. They want to tear off. And if you've ever scratched your cornea or torn a cornea, uh, or the surface of your eye, you know how incredibly, incredibly painful that is. And I'd gotten to a point where it was a daily occurrence for me, and I couldn't find a doctor to help me. And it was um, the darkest, worst point of my life. I was living in excruciating pain all the time with no answers. And I know it's given me incredible empathy for people who live with chronic pain because you feel completely hopeless. And it does not matter um, how deep your faith is. We are human and we all hit those moments where you just begin to think, um, I, I cannot continue on like this. And after I was a couple years into the process and doctor to doctor and, and even one doctor telling me that I was being too emotional and that I, um, you know, was kind of over-exaggerating and thinking, gosh, I can't even get a medical professional to listen to me. I, um, I can't live like this. I'm in so much pain. I would not wish this on my worst enemy. And I have no hope. I have no window for, for relief or finding my way out of this. And I had been searching online and doing my own research and trying to find anyone who had these same symptoms that I could find a diagnosis or find something. And I stumbled upon um, these message boards and chat rooms where people who had similar conditions and um, they were so despondent. And I would read there about people who were considering ending their lives or had attempted to. And I thought, you know what? That doesn't sound crazy to me at all. I, I, I was about 40 when this hit, and I thought, there is no way I can live another 40 years in this crippling, crippling pain. I, there were moments I thought I couldn't live another 40 seconds. I was in such despair. And as I read those boards, I, I finally, I, I went to Sheldon, to my husband, and I said, this is how bad this has gotten for me. I cannot go on. I feel completely despondent and hopeless. He was the only one who had any real clue about how bad it was because, you know, when you live with someone 24-7, you know the truth of how much pain they're in. And I was able to work and, and kind of disguise it as much as I could. 
And because I had no words for it or diagnosis or description, it was hard to even share with my family because it didn't make any sense and no one seemed to have a name for it. So we prayed and he said, listen, I don't care if it's a doctor on our insurance, not on our insurance, if we have to clean out our bank accounts and travel the world, we will find some way for you to get help. And I prayed, we prayed together, Lord, please lead us to the right person. And I prayed, Lord, I have asked for healing so many times. If you're not going to heal me, please lead me to the right doctor. And the next day I got up and started, because I'd given up, I started making phone calls again and again. And I found a, a cornea specialist there in D.C., uh, where we were living in Washington at the time. And I called and I was trying not to be emotional on the phone. I was really at the end of my thread, but I thought, I don't want these people to think I'm crazy like the last doctor did. And I get this woman on the phone. I think she could tell that I was very much in crisis. And she said, you know, a Dr. Clinch is his name. He's, um, you know, he's obviously a very busy guy. He's very much in demand. She said, can you hold on for a minute? She, she came back on the phone and she said, he's got a cancellation for tomorrow. Can you come in? And I said, I will be there. Just tell me wow. what time. And I said to myself, I can make it through one more day, one more night of this. I got there and I had done a, a mock-up kind of conversation with his assistant before he even came in. He looked at the notes and he said, before he ever looked at my eyes, he said, I know exactly what you have. And sure enough, he was spot on with his diagnosis. And it was the first little shoot of hope I'd had in two years nearly with this. And I was so hopeful and joyful. And at the end of the appointment, he said, now you need to know there is no cure for this. And that knocked me back to square one. I, I felt like I didn't hear anything else he said. I just wanted to get out of the office as quickly as I could. And I got into my car and just began sobbing and sobbing. And I was just praying, Lord, please, I, I have nothing left. I, I'm begging you for help. I just don't know what else to do. And I'm not someone who ever feels like I've heard God's voice audibly to me, but it's, the best way I can describe it is that he said to me, I will be with you. Not, I will heal you. I will take this away. I will end the pain. He just said to me, I will be with you. And that was enough. And it's been enough. And with that doctor's help and with God's help, I've been able to manage this. And I know it's something that for the rest of my life I'll have. I feel like it's my thorn in the flesh. And you know what? That makes me rely on him. Mm. Would that would that be your biggest lesson from it, Shannon? Is just that relying yep. and that remembrance that he's with you? Yeah. I mean, Second Corinthians 12, where he talks about he's made strong in our weakness and that we can rejoice in it because of that. Um, I, I read those verses a million times. If you grew up in the church, you've heard them a million times. Um, but for me, they came to life through that experience and it changed my life in so many ways. And I still cling to those verses and I know that when I'm weak, he is the strength that I need and that we have weaknesses and persecutions and hardships in our life as those verses say, but they're not without purpose. That's incredible. That's incredible. And you know, it's, it's one of those things. If, if you would have known that as a 19 year old student at Liberty, you would have gone, there's no way I'll ever be able to get through that, but you get through it. And the Lord, mm -hmm. it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing that you can't even describe to people till you walk through it though. It really is. Mm -hmm. It really is incredible. That's unbelievable. What would you tell somebody, Shannon, that they're beginning in their career and they're saying, I want to do something great. I was watching your commencement address a few years ago at Liberty and mm -hmm. you're challenging those students to greatness and stepping out and doing something unbelievable what would you tell them as they get ready to embark on a career in whatever field it may be? What are, what are some lessons you've learned along the way that you go, here's some things that I think would really help you that you need to know. 
Anything stand out to mm-hmm. you? Yeah, and we, we right now have our interns or college associates, as we call them, and they all come to you uh, for advice over the summer and say that same question. I always tell people the same thing is not to take no for an answer because you'll get it no matter what career you're in. You'll have people tell you just when I transitioned from um, law to broadcasting and said, oh, it'll never happen. It's never going to work. You have to go back to school. No one's going to give you a chance. You have no broadcasting classes. I mean, I heard no in a hundred different ways, and you will too in your career if you're fighting and trying to accomplish things, whatever it is, uh, whether you're working inside the home or out or whatever your mission is, there will be people and forces that try to come against you and say no. And I think you just have to keep fighting. I mean, um, there will be somebody who gets the creativity of your idea or of your proposal. There'll be somebody who sees uh, special skills or things in you. And you just have to get to that right place and that right person. And God will open doors for you. He will close other doors that you feel like should be open. Um, so trust him in the process, but just keep working. I find that so much of what you achieve in life is just outlasting other people who get too discouraged or too sidetracked or give up um, because the world's a tough place, no matter what you're doing or what your career field is or staying at home or uh, you know whatever ministry you have, whatever you're doing, there will be uh, a lot of roadblocks along the way. So I always say, just say no. Uh, just don't take no for an answer. Say yep. no to the people who say no and just keep going. That's good. I know I heard, I remember you saying in the commencement address, you talked about the gentleman that told you you would never make it. I guess when they had the changeover <laughs> in executives, you would never make it in the news business. Do you think about that statement a lot, doing what you do now and on the platform that you get? You know what I do, but it's such a good humbling thing to remember because this business is so fickle, like so many things you can't, and I have to listen, I preach to myself all the time. You can't find your worth in your work. Um, There's purpose in it, but it shouldn't be who you are. And I got to lecture myself all the time because I love what I do. And at times it's all consuming. It's a 24 hour day kind of situation for us a lot of times. Um, But yeah, the the first uh, boss that I had in TV told me I was the worst person he'd ever seen on TV and I would never make it in the business and basically told me to give up. And he was not nice about it. Um, And after I cried for a couple of hours in shame and slunk out of the building, um, I had to make a decision. Was I going to prove him wrong by working hard and recognizing where I was terrible and getting better, uh, taking good advice and using that constructive criticism to move on? And, And that's what I've tried to do ever since. But I you know, I love to tell um, our college interns that story too, because their eyes just pop open like, no way. And it's like, yes, there will be people who don't think you're that great and exciting. <laughs> and so you got to just, you know, work hard and um, get better and try to prove them wrong. That's so true. That is so true. And I don't know, I don't know if we get that till you go through it. It's sort of your experience too. Mm-hmm. Once you get that no and it tests that, tests that inward resolve inside of you. I know, Shannon, your faith has been a big part of your journey. And that's very, I mean, no matter who talks about you, whether it was Brooke Hume on your podcast, or people that know you from that industry, they talk about your faith. What would you what would you tell somebody if they were sitting down having lunch with you? What does Jesus mean to you? What what does that relationship with Christ mean with you? How do you how would you describe that, Shannon? You know, I am a sinner saved by grace. And that's what I got to remember every single day and that every single one of us has flaws and and strengths and weaknesses. None of us is perfect. And for me, uh, growing up in a Christian home and growing up in church, I was surrounded by those conversations all the time. But then there comes a point where you realize um, that you want to make a personal relationship with Christ or a personal decision regarding that. Um, And 
you know, for me, my faith is what gets me through every up, every down. It sustains me through the roller coaster of life. Um, and that I know I could never be good enough or measure up. I'm never going to be perfect, but I don't have to be because for me, I'm relying on Christ uh, to be all those things. And um, the fight to be more like him every day is really the only goalpost I should have for myself, uh, aside from trying to work hard and, and be a good wife and employee and daughter and friend, um, really trying to measure up to Christ and knowing I can't do it without his help. Um, but I can get closer every day with his help. Um, and there's forgiveness and there's mercy and there's unconditional love. Um, I, I worry that too many people think that religion is all judgment or all love. And I, I really, for me, my personal feeling is that it's a mix of those things, realizing that um, we can't save ourselves, uh, but there's someone who loves us more than we could ever understand that's willing to do that for us. Does that really drive who you are? Does that faith and that walk with Jesus not just work in a pew or a chair on Sundays, but Monday to Saturday as you're interacting in the field that you're in? Do you feel like that's really the shaping thing for you? Yeah, I, I feel like um, if it doesn't translate beyond Sunday for you, I, I hate that people are missing the rest of what it could mean in their lives because everybody hits uh, horrible lows in their lives, has great loss, has great disappointment, uh, and that can come in any number of forms. Um, even if it's tiny things during the day and frustrations to really huge things like losing someone you love. I mean, um, I don't know how you weather the Monday through Friday if what you have on Sunday just stays there on the weekends. I really don't. For me, it, it, it sustains my life. It, it um, calls me to be a better person than I am naturally. Uh, and I think that's got to be a seven-day-a-week kind of thing. That's good. That is really good. If you get to the end of your days, somebody's talking about Shannon Bream and they're talking about not just what you accomplished and all the amazing things you've done, but they're describing you and they're looking back in the rearview mirror of your life and at your story. What do you want somebody to say about you? I hope that they will feel like I genuinely cared about them, that um, I was a compassionate person uh, who was empathetic and was willing to help and was um, concerned about people right where they were. I, I, I hope that people will feel that way. That's awesome. That is awesome. And you've got an exciting venture, just a little side deal I think you're doing with Living the Bream podcast. Tell everybody about <laughs> your podcast, Shannon. Oh, my goodness. Yes, Living the Bream. We thought that was an appropriately cheesy term That's that would so hopefully good. get that you so a catchy good. title that you would remember. And, you know, I, I love it because I get to have conversations um, with friends, uh, people that you recognize from Fox, lawmakers, um, just different people to have, you know, about a 20-minute conversation. Uh, that's average commute for a lot of people out there. And so they get to know people a little bit better or have a chance to talk about an issue in a way that you can't do in two or three minutes on TV. Um, and, you know, I think it's it, we, we have a lot of chuckles along the way and people find out things they didn't know. Uh, about some of the people they maybe see in the headlines or on TV. And so I, it's just a fun way to have a, a conversation that goes beyond just the news of the day. That is awesome. Well, it is really good. And we'll put a link to that in our show notes so people can link over. But Shannon, I'm number one, just as a as somebody who knew you, and we didn't know each other great. We knew each other more through Sheldon uh, back in the Liberty days. Mm -hmm. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so proud of what mm -hmm. you've accomplished and the way that God's used you. And I'm really, and I know Doc, I put that in the email the other day, Doc Falwell will be super proud of you. And mm -hmm. the difference you're making well, being a champion out in the marketplace well. in the place you've been put. <laughs>
Thank you so, so much. I mean, he, yeah, he wanted us all to be champions right where we were. And I think right. uh, I could say all the same things for you and how many lives that you're touching and reaching. Uh, and I think that he would be so blessed to think that hopefully more and more of his kids, his Liberty kids, uh, Jerry's kids go out there and have a positive impact on the world. So thanks, Mike. Well, you are so welcome. Send my love to Mr. Sheldon. Tell him I'd love to see him soon. And Shannon, thanks again. And we will look forward to seeing you and talking to you soon. Will do. Thanks, Mike. I hope you enjoyed my time with Shannon as much as I did. You know, when I listen to people like her, I always try to find that one takeaway. What was the one thing out of the conversation that was for me? You know what I think it was from my time with Shannon? It was her willingness to keep moving in spite of the no. You know, when a boss looks at you and says, you're you're crazy, you'll never have a future in this industry. It would have been really easy to believe that. It would have been really easy to let that dictate her story. But she kept fighting. She kept pushing. And now she is who she is today because of her unwillingness to take the word no as the final answer. You know, that's true of not only a lot of modern-day leaders, that's true of some historical leaders. You go back even to the life of King David. David shows up at the battlefield to bring bread and cheese, just being obedient to his father, to take him out to his brothers that are on the front line. And there's Goliath taunting the nation of Israel, taunting the armies that had run out there for 40 days. David goes, man, why is nobody doing anything? And you remember what his brother said? Who are you? the one who takes care of so few sheep. Why don't you just go back to taking care of those few sheep that you have? You don't belong out here. You're just a boy. You remember he even goes to the king and the king tries to talk him out of it and then tries to suit him up at his own armor. But what we find about David, we find about so many other leaders like Shannon, the unwillingness to take no for an answer because the dream was bigger than the no. What's your dream? What is it that you're chasing nobody else can do quite like you? My prayer for you as you seek to be that person, that spiritual leader that God's created you to be, that you will chase what he has for you. The no's are going to come. The people that don't think that you can do it are always going to be there. But is the dream worth chasing? And is what's out in front of you bigger than that no? And that's a question we'll all have to answer. Thanks a ton, Shannon, for joining us this month. Next time on Lynch with a Leader, we're going to be visiting with Tim Elmore. Tim is the author of The Habitudes, probably no greater expert in America on the millennials and this new Gen Z culture. And I'm telling you, you're going to want to listen in and find out all the things that Tim has for us. Thanks again for joining us for Lynch with a Leader. And until next time, I hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.